Hello and welcome to Yerushalmi Yomi, some short thoughts as we go through the daf. My goal here is that everyone should be able to learn something interesting, whether you're learning the daf of Yerushalmi Yomi or whether you just want to learn more Torah. I hope that you'll find something very fascinating. I'm going to start today with daf Aleph, which is something that we need to talk about in itself, but probably not today, and just the basic formation of the Yerushalmi and one quick Ka'ara. When I originally formulated this idea, um, firstly, Every single thing got in the way to be able to stop this, including today itself when I was supposed to record, and all of a sudden something showed up last minute at my door that I saw that there was just literally mice or something to try to stop. So that's how I know that I think that this is a project that is worth an undertaking, and I'm going to give it my best shot. So I really hope that you'll find this very interesting. Um, but one of my main goals is to give bite-sized short pieces, and I thought that I was going to give an introduction to Yerushalmi in one sitting. and. As I'm going through all my notes and things that I want to say, there's literally hours of stuff that could be extrapolated. So my goal here is that I'm going to try to start as we begin, just to give an overview of Yerushalmi. I think you'll find it fascinating whether or not you're even learning it, but I hope that it'll encourage you to you know, look at it. And as we go through Brachos Bezer Hashem, I'm going to try to share one thought on the daf itself, which there's a lot to talk about. What is the daf and what is the tourist daf, which we're probably not even going to get to today. But I hope that you'll find something very fascinating and something for everybody just in the understanding. I, I very much invite your feedback and you can get in touch with me if you have Haaros and other points that you want to um, push back on or ask questions on, etc. because this is a learning experience for all of us. So let's begin. Welcome to this exciting new series. There's so much to learn and I'm honored to be with you on this amazing journey. I hope to include Haaros that span Pshat, some Remez, history, fascinating tidbits and halachos, and seeing the unity of Torah. What do I mean by the unity of Torah? I mean that Yerushalmi in Rosh Hashanah has a famous mimer. It's in 3.5. And again, we'll talk about how things are even noted because the Surah Sadaf is different, etc. But it says, Divrei Torah, Aniyam bimkoman v'ashirim b'makom acher. There's other girsos in other places that say other Lashonas, but I believe that's the correct girsa that it says there, at least according to one reading. And what that means is that the more we learn, the more we fill in the blank, and the more we understand things. I think that Rav Chaim Kanievsky, one of his many, many galluses, was that he knew Kol Torakula. And when you know Kol Torakula, you could put things together, and they just start to make more sense. I believe that's what Chazal mean when they say, in Reku Mikem, if it's empty, it's from you. What does that mean? So there's different madrashim that actually fill out the rest of it. It's because you're not Yogea in it. Torah is accessible to everybody. But it's also Mikem, I believe that the shot is also that you're just missing the information because the Torah are sometimes not expressive in certain places. We'll see in the Yerushalmi, there's times like this in the Babli as well, where basically the Yerushalmi will mention like that story, and it doesn't even extrapolate what the story is. And there's no Rashi to even fill it in. And then there are other madrashim that fill it in. So I'm going to try to go through bite-sized pieces of the basic formation of the Yerushalmi, and hopefully that's probably going to take, what I was hoping to do in one day, it's probably going to take a long time. And then we'll go through some of the Ha'aras as we go through this process as well. Just make sure we're good. Okay. All right. So let us begin um, by reviewing the framework of how the Yerushalmi and Bavli were developed. It's important to talk about them together and separately. Let's look at four texts today very briefly. The Mishnah, Tosefta, Yerushalmi, and Bavli. And that is the order of how they were written down. Okay, so keep that in mind. The Mishnah existed orally and was passed down from Moshe Rabbeinu. In the exact form that it was, probably not, but in the basic, because obviously the Tanam and Amram, the Tanam that are listed didn't exist, but the basic Shitas, etc. Okay, this is beyond the scope of this conversation right now, and I'm not, not going to go into that. But it was finally redacted and edited by Rabbi Huda Hanasi at the beginning of the 3rd century, in around 200 CE which is what we call the common era. I'm using that just so everybody understands it. Rehuda Anasi lived after the Chorban from 135 to about 220 CE, which is, again, the era that we're in, in 2022 right now. Rishre writes that historically, 
um, the Jewish education system was set up so that right after learning Mishnah, they would then teach Tosefta. And in fact, this is really found explicitly in, in Gemara. The Gemara is in Shavuos um, 41b. It says, Nachman said, I and Rav Sheshas taught the laws, the Mishnah, Sifra, Sifri, Tosefta, and then all the Talmud. That's important to keep that in mind. Rashi and Ksubis, um, 69b, the very Masal Amar Kolman the Asi, explains that Rav Chia and Rav Oshia and their Tosefta follow the style and the content of Rebbe's Mishnah found throughout the Shas. Very, very briefly, literally I'll regalachas, the Tosefta is probably called Tosefta because it's the additional parts that didn't make it into the Mishnah. If you follow the Mishnahis well, and you look at the Tosefta well, you'll find that usually there's a large correlation between the two in the order of how the Mishnah goes and then what the Tosefta has. The the thing to keep in mind, especially when learning Yerushalmi, is that the more you know Tosefta, the more you understand Yerushalmi, because that is really a very, very primary brysa that is quoted and used for extrapolating. And that's something to keep in mind. You'll hear that from me a lot as well. And hopefully we'll see it inside as well. Okay, the compiler of the Yerushalmi was a famous Rav Yochanan in around 300 CE. Okay, so just if you're following that, uh, and, and, and listen to this. It was probably a little earlier, etc., but we'll get to that in a second. Um, Rav Yochanan Bar Nafcha was his name. The word Nafcha literally means blacksmith, which was probably his father's profession. Um, and there's a lot to say about that. But one quick thing is that a blacksmith is someone who you could tell what he does just by looking at him because it rubbed off on him. And I think that Atamul Chacham is someone like that as well. His Torah rubs off on him and it makes an impact. And that's that's the person that was so responsible for so much proliferation of Torah that you could look at him and it rubbed off on you. And that's that's real Torah. Anyway, he was a very famous colleague and brother-in-law of Reish Lakish, we'll talk about shortly as well. He was born in Sipori in Eretz Yisrael in 180 CE around. His parents both passed away. Um, he was raised by his grandfather. And a huge influence in his life was probably Rehuda Hanasi. He was probably around 15 when he died. Again, you could critique a lot of things I'm saying. These are not all fully accepted, but there's a lot to say, okay? And Rehuda Hanasi took him under his wing. And he died in 279 CE in Tiveria, um, which we all know where that city is. And he probably spent most of his life, or probably all of it, in Eretz Yisrael. And he had a lot of Talmudim that we know from, from the Bavli that came from Babel to learn under him. So there's a tremendous amount of influx that's going to be really, really important. Uh, there's a lot to say about that as well. Um, now, even though I just said that Rabbi Yochanan wrote it, but clearly um, the Yerushalmi uh, had editors and people that added things afterwards. For example, look at Yerushalmi Peah 2.2, which again is the um, parak that it's in and the halacha that it's in, which we'll hopefully we'll talk about later, where it quotes a machlokas between Rav Yochanan and Rish Lakish, and the Yerushalmi says explicitly, we don't know whose opinion is which. So if Rav Yochanan is the one that wrote it, obviously he did know which opinion was which. So obviously there were people that did add things later or things were edited later, etc. But I think for the most part, it's accepted that Rav Yochanan was the, form, was the main formation of it. Um, okay. The Bavli was written down in around 500 CE, sealed by Ravina Ravashi, maybe a little bit earlier. But as you see clearly from Mishnayis in 200, and then Yerushalmi in 300, and then you have Bavli in 500, so the Bavli came last. And that's going to be very important when it comes to Psak and other things, according to many, many Rishonim. Um, there's a lot to say, but I'm just going to leave it at that. And I hope that um, this has sparked some of your interest just in learning how Torah is transmitted. In the first Mishnah, there's a Machlokas Kirsos and Bavli Yerushalmi, and I want to touch on it. So, may Amosai, when, Koran as Shema, Be, fill in the blank, because if you do Mishnah, it's Balpeh, and you remember when you were a kid, it was Ba'arvis. When do you read Shema at night? It's not the Yerushalmi says. The Yerushalmi says Ba'arvin. Okay? Now, what's the difference? Is it just a textual difference? Is it just a semantic difference? We're going to talk a lot about the Lashonos. So, let's just look through it very, very briefly. So, the word Arvis means night. So, when do you say Shema at night? The word Arvin seems to be 
a plural of knights at knights. So a Groff in Shnoselio. So he gives a simple shot. Um, and you'll see that the Shoshana Mladavid, who wrote a famous peerage on the Tosefta a little bit after the Groff, um, he was, uh, the Shoshana Mladavid was in Kutanam with the Chida. And the Chida praises him very much. But let's go back to the Groff. The Groff says that what's Ba'arvin? Peerage Be'arv Hashini, Shabain Harbayim. In the second, it's Ba'arvin, there's two. So Arvin means the second one. What's the second one? Because the first air. The first evening is afternoon is the afternoon, chatos. Think about it. If you speak to someone at 11.30 a.m., you say good morning. You speak to them at 12, you say good afternoon. So exactly. And this is referring to the next Erev. That's, it's, it's Aravin. It's trying to stress that, according to everybody, it has to be nighttime, not just evening like 12 o'clock in the afternoon, which is technically evening, but it has to be later. The Shoshana Mudabit has a little bit different shot. He says that, according to Rabbeinu Tom, there's two Shkios. Ayin Sham, I'm not going to go through it, but that's another Vart. Then he brings down a Kabbalistic shot. If you look in the Tosas Chadashim, I don't know what he's referring to. If somebody wants to explain it to me, I'm very curious to learn. The point is that when we read a Tosefta, I'm sorry, when we read a Mishnah, and we just say, we take pause and we recognize there's something huge happening there. So thank you so much for listening. This ends the first segment. In case you're wondering, who am I? Um, so I'm just a Pashat Yid during the day. I'm a psychologist, and at night, I try to learn. Um, hopefully, or try, try to learn more than that. I'm a Talmud of Ephraim Greenblatt, Zatzal. When I was about 11 years old, my grandfather, uh, who lived in Memphis, I used to visit my grandparents in Memphis every summer, and he sat me down and he said, this is my Rebbe, he's the sweetest person you'll ever meet, learn with him. And I just, you know, thought he was really sweet and really nice. We did Baba Kama together, Baba Mitzia, we learned a couple of things together, and um, I just was taken by his sweetness. Ephraim Greenblatt was a Talmud Muvak, of Ramosha Feinstein, that's all. Just open up Igor Moshe, you'll see him on every page. And from that relationship, which started just in warmth and care, developed a tremendous um, connection that I am grateful for. It changed the trajectory of my life in many, many ways. Um, and Ephraim Zatzal encouraged me. I, I learned with him uh, for a long time and wrote many, you know, Shalostin, etc. And he always encouraged me to learn Dafyomi, and he always encouraged me to learn Yerushalmi as well. In fact, hopefully I'll quote a few things from him, some discussions about the famous Ber Halacha um, that says that based on the Yerushalmi, that we're supposed to say a certain tefillah every day before Shachar Smincha and Marv, Yerushalmi has a Lushan, and why we don't pask him that way, based on what he told me, and based on what the Velt does. Clearly, people don't say that Yehiratzon very often. Um, so um, there's a lot to say about that, but I have Smicha from him. And I learned under of Usher Zelig Rubenstein Zatzal, who's a very close Rebbe of mine as well in Eretz Yisrael. And I like to call myself a Talmud of Neri Yisrael. I have many, many Rebbeim there. And it's a place that I call home in Baltimore where I live. And I try to spend time there. And if I see you there and you have an aura and something I say, you're probably correcting me and you're probably right. And um, I'm happy to hear that as well. So thank you for joining me on this journey and wishing you much Hatzlacha in all of your growth. And um, we, should all, we should all taste the beauty of Torah and it should rub off on us and it should make us better people together. Thank you for listening.